Welcome back to the Gospel Sports Truth Podcast. I'm your Jose, along with my guy, King Ron. We got the dynamic duo today, bringing you the truth unapologetically as we see it. We were off last week, spending a little bit of time with the ladies. You know, the ladies in our lives had to make sure we took care of Valentine's Day, as I'm sure most of y'all did as well. But we're going to make sure that you get all the information that you need to know and make sure that you're entertained this week. Um, make sure that you follow us on YouTube at the Gospel STP and on all major podcasting platforms. If you need to get any information to us, get it to the Gospel STP at gmail.com. Got a very entertaining show for you today. We're going to talk about what's going on this week in the wonderful world of sports, Super Bowl reactions, what's next for San Fran and Kansas City. We're also got a little bit of conversation in there about what's going on with the NBA All-Star Weekend. So let's hop right into it. Uh, got a lot going on this week. Uh, prognostications, if you will, as far as what's going to happen in the NFL with some of the free agents, uh, some moves going to be made trades, things of that nature, draft picks that are uh, going to happen here over the next couple of months. But one of the things that I've heard as of late is Russell Wilson, it's odds on favorite now uh, to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, a little bit ago, it was Fields, who's now the odds on favorite for Atlanta. So things are changing a little bit. I always pay attention to Vegas. Uh, they tend to know a little bit of information before any of us do. Uh, so we have two quarterbacks that are now uh, it looks as if uh, Fields is going to be traded, and it looks as if Russell Wilson is either going to be traded or possibly cut from Denver, and Pittsburgh is going to pick him up. But we have two guys on the move that did relatively well last year um, in the you know realm of NFL, also in the realm of fantasy. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but Russell Wilson was top 10 in most of the major quarterback stats. What derailed Denver more than anything was the defense, which is Normal. That's kind of the opposite of what you normally see with Denver. Uh, what feels if he goes to Atlanta, I mean, speed is going to be an issue, and they're really a quarterback away from taking over that AFC. I mean, NFC South division. So, uh, what are your thoughts as far as landing spots? If this is to be true, as far as Russell Wilson ending up in Pitt and Fields ending up in Atlanta, I'm not the biggest uh, Russell Wilson fan. Um, okay. I got him. I called him Mr. Limited. That's a nickname that I gave him years ago. <laughs> but uh, he's also, I guess, like you said, not the worst quarterback also either. Um, take a look at Pittsburgh, who their quarterback play was atrocious this year. I think he'll be a step up from that for sure. Yeah. I don't think it uh, I don't think it puts them over the hump, of course. Um, I really don't think nobody's thinking that. Well, that's just what my mind frame is. Um, it just depends on how Pittsburgh acquired him. If of course if they if he gets cut, yeah, for sure go all in for it. But if it's like a trade type thing, I wouldn't touch it with the contract uh um size and everything. But let's just say for um he does get cut. Uh let's just say that scenario he does get cut. Um uh, I think Pittsburgh picks him up. Um if they do, I don't think it moves the needle too much. I still like um the Ravens. Still like the Bengals and maybe even the Browns a little bit over them. Like it, it, it doesn't change anything for me, but they do play that division tough. They beat the Bengals with Joe Burrow earlier this year, even though Joe Burrow had the calf. They beat them. They beat Lamar Jackson this year. So, I mean, Tomlin to have them ready. It's an upgrade for what they got. So if they can get him on, uh, if he get, gets released and they acquire him, I think it's a step up from the quarterbacks that they have in the room right now. Though, I think the biggest thing where Russell Wilson is, he can hold it in the road. Um, what they were able to do with Rudolph, I mean, Wilson's way better than Rudolph. He's definitely way better than Kenny Pickett. And also, if you look at what he did in Denver, he did that with one wide receiver, with Sutton. Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of um, their number two wide receiver, uh, Buddy from Alabama. I, I can't even Judy. think of his name right now. Judy, um, Judy. But yeah, there you go. Ju yeah, yeah Ju Judy has been... Very disappointed, in my humble opinion. Their second best wide receiver would have been Tim Patrick. He got hurt, like, I want to say either in preseason or just before preseason started. Yeah. So, and then also their starting tight end got hurt as well. Their starting running back was coming off of an injury, and he wasn't quite right until several weeks into the season. So, you know, to have that offense doing what he had them doing and to be top 10 in most of the quarterback stats, 
um, you know, by end of year. He was top five, you know, for a good bit of the year. But getting getting that upgrade at the wide receiver position, also getting a little bit more consistency as far as defense and the run game is concerned. I mean, Pittsburgh hasn't had a losing season without a good quarterback since Big Ben. So I could see him being a little bit more confident as well because Pittsburgh isn't one of those teams that's like a fly-by-night team. You know, they're a little bit more stable. As long as you can get out there and show something, they're going to stand by you. And Wilson, um, I I think he'll go back to the days of Seattle um, with having that upgrade at defense. He he won't feel as if the team is on his shoulders by himself. Um, Now, as far as Atlanta is concerned, my thing is you don't have to be the best passer of the ball to be able to take advantage of what they have going on. And when you have the running ability of fields and the speed of fields, and then you have uh, Bijan at uh, running back, you have London at wide receiver, and then they're probably going to pick up another wide receiver in the offseason as well. They also have uh, your boy Tyler Allegier, who actually had better stats his rookie year. This is his sophomore year that just went by. He had better stats his rookie year than what Bijan had in his. Um, so they have a stable back there as far as running backs are concerned. So also much better offensive line than Chicago right now. So I think you could see the best version of Fields in Atlanta. And he'd also be going home, um, have a better coordinator, uh, a more seasoned offensive coordinator as well. Um, and a guy who is a defensive guy, a head coach, so he won't have to put up so many points to win games because their defense is already good. But given what Raheem Morris can make out of a defense that's lackluster, if you take a defense that actually has a few pieces already and add him to it, I mean, Atlanta can go from, you know, not making the playoffs to being a factor in the playoffs in one off season, just depending on how things go. But what is, what's your opinion as far as Justin Fields is concerned? Kind of think that's a, a great situation for him. Um, they go into a place to where they, they definitely need a quarterback for sure. Ritter, Ritter's not the answer. Um, and, and the weapons that you alluded to earlier, um, Pitts, uh, Drake London, Bijan, and I think this uh, coordinator um, will utilize Bijan like he's supposed to, like, uh, unlike oh, Arthur Smith you. did. And um, and it and also too like, and I'm sure you know this too. But for a lot of listeners out there, when you have in today's game for sure, when you have that threat of the running quarterback, that actually opens more lanes for the running back because now it's a Absolutely. threat that some people have to stay home, et cetera. So it's going to help out Bijan, and it just so like I said, the rotation that they have. Algier hasn't done anything to even know Bijan is uh, garnered as a more superior talent. Uh, talent-wise, like, but he has a place in the offense. So the the backfield is nice. He was on a, a podcast this morning, and they asked him about, you know, where do you want to go, Chicago or whatever. He said, yo, I love Chicago, but, you know, it's a business. So, and they asked him about Atlanta, and he was like, yeah, they got the weapons over there. Uh, him and Kyle Pitts are, apparently are super close off the field. And, and he okay. said, yo, if they, just get, if they just get one more receiver, we go. So you, he already, to me, already kind of scoping it out. Like, okay, well... I got John, I got Kyle, I got Drake London, and, you know, we get one, they get one more receiver there in the next spot. So I think it's a perfect spot for him. I think so. I heard, um, this is just scuttlebutt, but they were saying, like, it's it's a tale of the generation, right? So whenever anyone gets upset, they go and take everything down off of their social media page. And I guess it's the way of throwing the tantrum or whatever, saying they, you know, upset about the situation. But they were saying that he took down all the Chicago stuff and he just recently followed all the Atlanta players. So I don't know if that's his way of saying that that's where he think he may end up or, you know, that's who's kind of, you know, between what he did and what Vegas is saying. You know, it, it's kind of connecting the dots there that Atlanta may be the team that's willing to, uh, you know, make the move. But, you know, just so we're on the same page, whoever gives up the most form is where he will go. Oh, yeah. The GM don't care nothing about where he want to be or what his hometown is or none of that. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's willing yeah. to give up the most. Um, and it may even be a situation to where as after you have uh, the combine and things of that nature, 
maybe not as many quarterbacks show up at the combine as people are kind of uh, having in their mind's eye as being available. And then you see that feels kind of escalates a little bit of saying, well, okay, well, I know he's probably going to be better than that guy that couldn't do it, you know, yeah. when the heat was on. So you got that too. A couple other people that are making moves are possibly making moves. You got the Titans debating on whether or not DeAndre Hopkins is going to be in their future. I don't see why you wouldn't do that unless, uh, you know, the new OC came from the Bengals. Uh, Vander was saying a couple of weeks ago that he could see Higgins possibly ended up there or even Boyd for that matter. Both of them, um, you know, from the Bengals, both of them are free agents. I don't see Boyd taking over that number one wide receiver spot, but Higgins could possibly, if he ends up in, in with the Titans, I could see that being a reason why they may let Hopkins go. Outside of that, it's not like you're paying him very much, so I don't really understand why you would debate letting him go, especially because he still got another year on the contract, so you don't even have to figure out the money part. Um, it ain't like everybody banging on the door to go to Tennessee, so you're not going to really have you know, all that much money to spend on a high-priced name or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, do, do you believe that Hopkins ends up staying in Tennessee or is this just kind of a, you know, wait and see based on the fact that the new head coach could possibly bring in his own guy from Cincinnati? Or honestly, I say you go with Hopkins and Higgins if you can get them um, or Hopkins and Tyler Boyd if you can get them both. Because the the uh, guy that came in year before last um I can't remember these people's names tonight. Uh, what, what's your, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Traylon Burks. He, he's not. He can't stay healthy. Like maybe that can change in the course of a year, but he's just not been doing it as of late. And it's it's been f various injuries, not just one nagging injury. So you know it could go away this year, but he hasn't shown himself to be the guy. So what do you think about their wide receiving core prognosis uh, going forward? I think is you should get rid of them. Um, not necessarily you should get rid of them, but if you do get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, um, I think you get you get rid of them after you acquire at least a number one. Because what you don't want to do also too is you don't want to like you you have Will Levis there. You want to see how he progresses. So if you take away his best weapon, are you really getting a, a good read on what type of person he is, or you know? Um, a lot of quarterbacks take off like that because a great scenario like Josh Allen, he wasn't Josh Allen until Stephon Diggs got there. Like right. the talent was there and everything, but he didn't take off until you know, like somebody like Stephon Diggs get there. Not trying to say Hawkins is on the level of what Diggs was at that time, but if you want to gauge what he is, keep him until he, unless he becomes a problem. Because you also don't want to cloud your uh, quarterback with that also too. Like if Hopkins is like, hey man, I want to get out of here. Like I want to, I want to win. And, then, then, then maybe you think about moving him. But outside of that, if he doesn't do that, I don't think you move him until you bring in somebody so you can get a you can help the development of Will Levis in the future. You know, that's a fair point because there were a few times last year that they seemed to kind of be going back and forth. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that was just a, you know, a normal quarterback wide receiver dust up type of a deal, or if they have an issue. Um, so th that's a good point. That that could be a determining factor, whether or not the quarterback is actually vying for him or if he's saying, hey, we need to get somebody else in the building, because I'm sure that's a conversation that the new head coach and the quarterback are going to have as well. Um, the new odds on favorite for Baltimore, their running back position is Derrick Henry. Um, I, I feel like Baltimore should have probably made that move this season. And things could have possibly changed um, as far as how far they got this season. But if you put Derrick Henry in a situation to where you have the best mobile quarterback in the league and a, a, a ground and pound guy like Henry, that's trouble for everybody else in the league. I mean, they, they, they've been a stout running game with guys you know, like, you know, journeymen like Gus Edwards. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if if you get a Henry in that system, can you imagine what he would do in comparison to what a Gus Edwards has done? So, I mean, 
I feel like they should have done that this year, but I can also understand why you would wait to try to get him for free versus having to give up assets to go after him. But if he does end up in Baltimore, how favorably does this match up for them going forward? Do you think that they could have changed anything this year um, when they were going up against your squad, Kansas City? I think as of constructed, and if you get uh... – we know that Derrick Henry, it may not be the Derrick Henry he was three, four years ago, but if you can get the same Derrick Henry of last year because he doesn't have to carry the team as much, mm-hmm. I think as of the team's constructed now, if like say if that trade happened, say if that they released him and they acquired him tomorrow, I put the, I put them as the favorite as of in coming out of the AFC as of right now. Because um if you look in the playoff game, they got away from the run. They only ran the ball like six times or whatever. And uh and watching the NF inside the NFL thing, you know, I kind of love to watch that regardless if it's, if it's my team or not. And what deterred them away from it was we ran like a big bear front. The first time all year that we run all four of our linebackers, dropped their safety down and our biggest four defensive linemen. So they felt like they couldn't run the ball on, on that front. But if you have a running back that maybe can break a tackle or two, you may say, hey, we're going to turn around and hand it to him anyway. Like, we may wear him down. We may get him to come out of it, anything. So I think that may would help a lot. Um, and this depends on the moves that we would make after that. Um, but as if the team of the Ravens are constructed now, and you put Derrick Henry on it, um, hey, they were the favorite this year without Derrick Henry <laughs> with, with us. You know, So I don't see why they wouldn't be the favorite as of all the teams being constructed are they are right now. I don't see why they wouldn't. I think that helps them out a lot. And don't mess around in Kansas City ends up not being able to pay Snead and Chris Jones. And if Chris Jones ain't in that middle and you have Henry as the guy there, that's that's going to be an issue. Um, And and I can see Kansas City and Baltimore kind of being the two that are going at it um, again in the AFC this coming year. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about some of the moves that Kansas City may end up making and how that's going to affect things going forward in just a couple minutes. But, um, but yeah, good call on that one. Uh, Chris Young, he, he is, uh, excuse me, Chase Young. He's projected right now as the odds-on favorite going to Atlanta. So the, the Atlanta's trying to make several moves right now. Uh, we'll see how that ends up working out. But I, I can definitely see San Fran not ponying up the money necessary to hang on to him. He has been often injured, and they kind of put a few things out there leading up to the Super Bowl that they weren't necessarily uh, satisfied with his level of activity, if that makes sense. So I can definitely see him, you know, going to greener pastures. Whether or not that move is going to be predicated upon whether or not they get fields, which they would have to pay fields almost immediately. Um, So that can possibly hinder that move it may be a either or they may be able to have enough money to get both i know the uh salary cap is going up to 250 million this year so you know as long as you can kind of get them in and make it a favorable type of setup i can see them possibly going at the both but we'll see what young ends up last bit of news i saw this today justin jefferson is currently uh, asking for 30 mil plus as far as this extension is concerned with the Minnesota Vikings. This is going to be an interesting scenario because he's also indicating that not only does he want 30 mil plus, but whether or not he actually signs an extension is going to be predicated upon the quarterback situation. The issue with this, you can't have a top-notch quarterback and get paid quarterback money. On top of that, they would either have to go the rookie route and hope for the best, or they would end up having to pay Cousins to come back, and Cousins is never taking any shorts. I mean, he, Cousins has actually gotten paid more money than most quarterbacks because he keeps betting on himself and being more than happy with taking the uh, you know, the franchise tag or taking a two-year deal and then getting another two-year deal after that, maxing out his money for those two years. So the other issue with uh, Jefferson is if you pay him that much, you're pretty much telling the other players on the team, most of y'all going to end up somewhere else because we can't pay him and a quarterback and all of y'all. So do we see Jefferson remaining in Minnesota? Is he one of those players where you got to figure out his money and then you kind of do whatever you can do everywhere else? Or, I mean, honestly, this would be a team that, 
based on the fact that you don't have to pay fields nearly as much as that you would have to pay most other quarterbacks. This would be a team that I would try to get in that race, uh, giving up, you know, maybe a second this year, a fourth next year, try to bring fields my way and pay him a lot less money than what you would end up paying Cousins. But what do you think about this Justin Jefferson news? I think if, if Justin Jefferson, uh, of course, we all know he's the talent of, of what he is. I, I think he's the best receiver in football, in my opinion. I think he's the best wide receiver in football. Um, well, you can argue Tyreek here too, because Tyreek is, you know, well, I'll put him at least one and two. But Tyreek's already been paid though, so, but yeah, yeah. I, I get you. So, um, if I kind of think the route that they should take, because they should take is maybe try to move up in the draft and get a younger quarterback. Because I look at it like this like a, a Penix Jr. Yeah, any, any of those young guys, don't try to move up too much because you're not going to get, you know, Caleb may not get made. Right. So don't not in like the top seven, eight like that, but try to move somewhere uh, decent in there because you can actually, I think when Joshua Dobbs was there and you know he played well for a little bit or whatever, like you can get somebody that's in that realm, like to like Penix that can run and throw, but more talented than them. I think it's JJ McCarthy speed. from uh, um, Michigan. From Michigan. Yeah, I like him too. He, so he if you can be grab a, one of those because I don't see them winning a champion. Like I don't see them winning the championship or beating any these other guys uh, uh, and the Lions are going to run a division for a while. I like the Packers. They came on a little bit stronger. They pretty much the only team that you definitely know that they're better, better, uh, better than in the division is the Bears. So I don't think Kirk bringing Kirk Cousins back. And that's that depending far. on what the Bears do this offseason too because they exactly. might not be better than them anymore. So. <laughs> so I don't see bringing both of them back as championship moves. So I would gamble on, okay, getting rid of Kirk so you don't tie that money up there. You already got Jordan Addison to pair with Justin Jefferson. So you got two young guys. Get a nice young quarterback and try to get a, a nucleus there. Take some of that money and maybe spread it out. Like you may don't lose Daniel Hunter because if you pay Justin Jefferson, Daniel Hunter, yeah. he's going to be out of there. Um, so maybe you beef up around the defense. If you don't like your running back situation, uh, being that cook left and you don't like Madison or those guys, you know, maybe draft a guy, bring somebody in there. But the route I would take is I would pay Jefferson. Don't let him get out of the building. And and figure out the quarterback route right if they can move up to get a younger receiver. Cause even if you pay Kirk Cousins, what you what was that still six, seven C at best, you know, not trying Pretty to say much. people who can't have great years, but you still tied up all this money for the six, seven C for the most part. So uh I take the other route. Try to get a young quarterback like a Penix, put that money someplace else and try to help the team. Love out. it. Love it. Love it. That'll pretty much wrap up. The news and what's going on uh, this week. Let's go ahead and move into our Super Bowl reactions. What went wrong for San Fran? Well, hold on. But since it's Super Bowl reactions, you know I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Let, hold yeah. up, hold up. Let, let me give you the full for go. a minute. Let me give you the full. <laughs> That's, well, That's what we had to do. That's what we had to do right quick. What went wrong for San Fran, right? And this is, like I said, I want everyone, if you have time, if you haven't watched it, YouTube, go watch inside the NFL mic'd up like then take like a 40 minute video on YouTube and just the, the the players you it the first thing was discipline them okay like it was amazingly shocking of how the little things cost the 49ers that game like outside of Patty being Patty whenever whenever he figures you out and I said this on this show before the first time we talked about the Super Bowl I said listen we only let one team get over 24 points a game the entire season. I said, you're going to have to at least get to 24. Then the day of the game, I said, you got to get more than 20. They got more than 20. They got 22, so I was kind of like in the, the realm. I said, I don't believe that they can score that much because of how they're built and how uh, our defense is built. Their receivers are dynamic, but I got, I think, well, I don't think, I'm going to put it, I got the best one-two cornerback combo in the league. So at best, you're going to win some, lose some. You're not. They're not going to dominate that much. I took a look at Kittle's playoff record, a blind resume stat. With the same amount of games, Mark Quiz Valdez Scantlin has more play, better playoff numbers than George Kittle has. Even if you go look at the first Super Bowl, he had like two catches to 48 yards. So I'm like, ah, oh, he does good, but I don't know. I said, Christian McCaffrey is going to have to have a Terrell Davis type day for them to win the game. And a lot of 49ers faithful are going to hate me to hate me on this because they love Brock Purdy. But the reason, and I like him too. I'll be the first to tell you, I think he's an upgrade 
over Jimmy G, of course, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No doubt. But but the gap isn't as wide as you think, in my opinion. Not as wide as you think. I, if you ask me 10 times out of 10, I want Purdy over Jimmy G. But I take a the look thing at with Jimmy G is he was just never healthy. So so that you couldn't depend on him was, was his issue more than anything. And it's a sample size of about 30 games now to where you could put blind, blind resume to both of them together. And their numbers almost are similar. And Brock Purdy has the better supporting cast than Jimmy G. Jimmy G didn't have Brandon Ayuk or Christian McCaffrey, but for four games. And if you look at it's a small sample, but if you look at the four game sample, his numbers are almost identical to what Brock Purdy numbers are. Before that, only thing Brock Purdy has over him in that, in that amount of game t- play span that they play was quarterback rating and less interception. I mean, I'll give him the less interception, but he got a better supporting care. There was a lot of plays that Brock Purdy didn't play bad, but in order to beat Mahomes, your quarterback, like, well, he didn't play bad. No, you got to go win the game. That, of course, the punt messed him up. The fumble punt that we scored in the very next yeah, play, that to me, that sure. kind of changed the tie in the game. But I still feel like even if we didn't score like right on that play, uh, my next point to this is the biggest turning point in the game for me outside of the punt, the, the punt was when Mahomes threw the interception. They were yeah. up 10 to 3 at their at, at their 40-yard line. So you only need 10, 15 yards to get a field goal. Three straight possessions, three and out after that. Out of nine plays, they only ran the ball once. So even when we was on the show, I said, we, we talking about a coach that is notorious for not managing the game correctly in certain situations. Right. Yep. And he didn't do that. Also, I tell a lot of 49ers fans, I'm not talking about, even though the, 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 the touchdown that he missed the Debo, he was getting pressured on it, right? It was only like a 27, 30-yard uh, throw. He didn't have to throw it as hard, but I ain't going to kill him for that one. The one I'm going to kill him about, because everybody always say, oh, Jimmy G, Missing Emmanuel Sanders in the, what's the name? He had him wide open and he missed him. They killed Jimmy G for that. On the play that Brandon Ayuk, where Brandon Ayuk routed up yeah. with Jerry Snee, like I ain't never seen nobody route him up before ever. And it's a for sure touchdown. And he threw the ball dead out of bounds. I, I didn't hear a lot of, oh, Brock missed that one because they like Brock more than they like Jimmy G. But what cost the, the game was. Too. Expectations are normally where disappointment starts. And because yeah. the expectation was higher for Jimmy G than what it is for Mr. Irrelevant, I, I, I think you let him live a few on, on a few of those throws because it's like, man, look, if it wasn't for you, I don't know where we'd be right now. So I'm glad they went ahead and selected you with that last pick. Because yeah. other than that, we'd have some Sam Darnold at the hand. So <laughs> I think that's why they let him live with, with a couple of those, uh, you know, mistakes and things of that nature. Uh, but, but let me ask you this, as far as the defense was concerned, now, I kind of feel like Steve Wilkes was scapegoated because going into the third quarter, it was a 10-3 game. So <laughs> this this wasn't an issue with defense. It was an issue with offense. And not only that, it was an issue from the side of the ball and from the coach that, as you just forestated, is notorious with getting to the big game and then forgetting how he got there. So how do you feel about San Fran's defense, that whole Steve Wilkes situation? And I'll go ahead and lump this question in, too. If Kyle Shanahan can't get any better, is now the time for San Fran to move on from him? Or do they just accept the fact that when he gets to the big game, he just probably not going to win it? The Steve Wilkes thing, to be honest with you, I don't think he was scapegoated that much. Because if you take, even though, I mean, and and it kind of, going to sound weird because they gave up the third fewest points in the league. So you'd be like, well, whatever problems you say he had, they still only gave up the third. They were the Ravens first, the Chiefs second, them third as far as points given up on defense. But um, in situations, a lot of situations where you look at, like he called me, I'm like, I'm, I know he has way more of vast knowledge, football knowledge than I have. And I'm like, yo, I'm not calling that. I'm not calling a zero blitz right there. Or I'm not dropping everybody back to where one in the game, Kyle Shanahan called a timeout. We're like, no, bro, we not running that. Yeah, like, didn't you see the, the last play? You just ran the same defense. And you see what he did on the, like, no, timeout. I think it's the decision-making did it. And one thing I was hearing uh, rumblings about, too, is the players love D'Amico so much. When he came in, they didn't mind him changing the strategy. It was like the relationships with him. They were like, yo, okay, so people were like, yo, why, why are we doing that? And he wanted them 
oh, because this is how I want to do it type thing. Like, let's go do it. Like, and when it's not working sometimes, you'd be like, we're going to go do it. But I mean, can we at least know why we're doing it? Like, that's it. Like, we just want to know, like, that, that type thing. So I heard the players. Old school stuff, instead of, instead of relatable yeah. with the, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, so. But do you do you think that Shanahan can get any better? And if he can't, does San, does, does San Francisco just accept the fact that, you know, they'll they'll get to the playoffs and, and not get over the hump? Well, because I, it just don't feel like it's in the cards for Shanahan to to be able to get much better than where he is right now. And other teams are going to get better. So it's more likely that they fall to the pack than they stay on top. So how do we feel about Shanahan going forward? I'm, 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 I still have a little hope for him because I have a, a coach to where at one point Andy Reid was given some of these same criticisms, not by, not by play calling, but his time management was horrible at one point. Like, the way he would use timeouts, wouldn't use them and stuff, whatever, like they would kill him. And they were like, yo, in the, in the Super Bowl against y'all, the Patriots, they was like, it was, a, it was some timeout discrepancies. Like, even when he first came to us, when we had Alex Smith, we were like, yo, his, that old time management thing rearing his head again. So he kind of got over. Now, you can always, you can also say, too, you got a generational quarterback, so that may cover yeah. up a lot of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if that happens, but with Shanahan, I'm 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 still gonna give him a little, little bit of hope. I don't think he gets any better per se, but then because uh, you got to look at it too. Even though he put some mistakes in it, he the, his Super Bowl losses, notable Super Bowl losses, is to the goat. And then people who say it's probably gonna be the goat or challenge the goat, which, but yeah, he got to learn some play calling. I think he needs another strong person on it, like a BNN. That okay. he's close with, to yeah. Where he'd yeah. be like, "Hey, no, and listen, let's not just run that. This, uh, why we get, why we get away from the run or something? Like maybe somebody that he's gonna listen to." It, uh, the only reason that wouldn't work though is because I feel like he's he's too tied to his offense to let another guy come in who is going to run the offense. The way I think they were butt heads. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. But he can't he's help. More likely to let the defensive guy kind of almost do what he want to do versus yeah. letting the offensive guy change just about because the offense was great up until time for the Super Bowl. Like, like yeah. if you had just done what you normally do, why not lean on the best running back in football versus leaning on Mr. Irrelevant? It's not like the game was out of hand. You you were ahead. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you run the football? Like, like it, it's like he just forgot fundamentals like that was the thing that killed me about the whole situation but let's move over to kansas city now one thing i'll say is as of right now they're one of the younger teams in the league and they they opened up quite a bit of money by not signing um tyreek hill back and the fact that several people on their rookie contracts are going to open it up that they can kind of go head hunting and bring in veterans that are just ring shopping sign them to a one or two year deal and if they can win the Super Bowl this year without having the help of those uh, mercenaries, if you will, how, how how does the rest of the league attempt to compete as long as Andy and Patty are both there? Like, I, I don't see the team being any worse. Not that they were bad this year. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I don't see them being any worse in the years to come than they were this year. This was the reset quote-unquote reload rebuild year what is everybody else gonna do <laughs> i think they need to cross their fingers and hope that for some odd reason we lose chris jones and legere sneak i think that's the formula for you to say okay well okay. there's a reason why we shouldn't go barring injury of course there's like to think of a reason why we wouldn't be back there because our, our, our receiver room won't look like it looked last year, for sure. Nah, I'm willing to bet not. anything on that. Like, it's going to up the receiver room is going to upgrade. We're going to help Trav out because Trav is going to be another year older. Uh, I love Pacheco. I think we're going to bring another running back there too. So our offense is going to, which was the 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 one dragging the tail this year, uh, is going to pick up. So I think that's the only hope. I really think that there is a real possibility that we, I even think that Sneed won't be back there next year. I don't see no possibility of Chris Jones not coming back this year. I think we realized for sure, like, listen, we have to pay him. Like, he, I was telling somebody the other day, we don't have three Super Bowl rings if it ain't for him. If it ain't for him, we don't have three. I don't think so. 
So um, I can agree with that. So now, and the way he wrecked the game a little bit, he didn't have not one set, but every time you turned around and the big plays, he's hurrying somebody or, or you know, so I think Snead is going to be gone. Even though they raised the cap, I, I just don't see us no way of signing Snead back at all. But um, well, the thing with Snead, uh, well, with cornerbacks in general, for that particular team, you found Snead. You found yeah. it. I mean, these weren't, these weren't, Highly touted guys, you know, coming out of the draft or whatever the case may be. You found those guys. You haven't been able to find a defensive lineman like Chris Jones. Ever. So that's the reason why I can see, you know, not not to mention the fact that it's a lot easier to get a cornerback in free agency and you'll have the money and you'll have some guys that are ring hunting. In the worst case scenario, they you got guys that haven't even been regular appearances in the playoffs. They know they're yeah. going to get that minimally if they go to Kansas City. So yeah. you're going to have so, several guys that are willing to take a pay cut. And that's what I mean by that mercenary situation. You're going to have wide receivers and cornerbacks that are going to be willing to, hell, you might even be able to get um, entice Aaron Donald to, to play a year or two. If he Kansas City, out, just, I'll take you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm just saying, like, like there, there are a few scenarios out there where you can get some guys. But now let me ask you this. Andy Reid is now one of a few coaches to have three or more uh, Super Bowl rings. Uh, let me get the – we have Andy Reid with three, Joe Gibbs with three, Bill Walsh with three, Chuck Noll with four, and Bill Belichick with six. Now, my thing with Andy Reid is, unlike Bill Belichick, yes, Bill has more rings, but – if you look at the amount of time that Bill has had with the GOAT in comparison to the amount of time that Andy Reid has had with the most likely next GOAT, their Super Bowls kind of line up um, as far as the amount of time that they were there before winning those first three. Yeah. Um, I think Kansas City is in route to a dynasty, if not already in the middle of one. But the other thing about it is, Andy Reid has had lackluster teams that he was still able to put in a winning situation. Andy Reid might not have gotten the ring before Patty, but if you look at what Bill Belichick has done after Tom, Andy Reid has never done that with any team. So are we on the verge now uh, talking about Andy Reid and that goat coach conversation, or I know depending on like how you look at coaches, you kind of you you may add up different things to come up with your reasoning behind you know who's the goat or one of the goat. But I think that Andy Reid has done something that several of these other coaches didn't do, which is succeed with lackluster teams versus everything falling apart when their main man left or retired, whatever the case may be. So what's your outlook as far as Andy Reid is concerned? And how much longer do you think he ends up staying around? Because he's no spring chicken. Does he stay around long enough to be the GOAT? Or is he already in the conversation right now? I give him another three to five years, I think, to reign. Okay. I, I don't see more. I don't think I see more than five for sure. Because what uh, is he, like 62, 63, something like that? Yeah, I think he's 64. 64, okay. I want to say 64. So I don't see him at least no more than five. Um, but three, but a lot one thing I give respect to him is that of course we know he had receivers like Tyreek Hill and uh Terrell Owens. So then if you want to kind of fast forward like Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, these guys, mm -hmm. but this guy would take a team and put him in a Super Bowl with uh NFC championship with Th James Thrash and Tom Pinkston is his, you know, wide receiver. Like last year. Right. Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS. Of course, you have Travis Kelsey, of course. I, you, you know, you can't take that away. But right. he, to take, to do more with less, you got to put to some type of like, okay, well, he got to be up there in the GOAT conversation. Of course, it's, I think it's always going to be Bill. I don't think nobody's going to catch Bill, to be honest with you, as far as GOAT conversation. But I think if he get to five and Bill has six as a head coach, mm -hmm. Bill got six or seven as a head coach? He got six. six. He got six. Yeah, six. I'm thinking Brady got seven, but he got the one with, with Brady. Yeah. Got seven, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if he gets to five, you might be like, okay, well, two of these. Oh, uh, you know what? I got to take it back too, though, because in in Bill Belichick's defense, 
even though he did more or less, Tom Brady in the first like two or three Super Bowls, Tom Brady wasn't the Tom Brady we know now. The defense That's true. did carry the first two, maybe. Defense I know two kick. for sure, maybe the third one. You know, so the defense was the architect between it. And then now you put Tom Brady with it in his mind and you take off. So I think you can get the but, second. But, OK, but but and this is weird because you 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 fighting for Belichick and I'm fighting for Andy <laughs> Reid. That's just weird. <laughs> but here's here's the other thing to think about. What if and I know this is a big what if. What if Chicago had drafted Patty? And um. And then, you know, Reed got whoever, whomever else. Does Patty end up being Patty? Like, a big part of Patty being Patty, in my humble opinion, is Andy Reed. I don't think Bill Belichick had much to do at all with time being time. So that that's the other, like, like Bill, Bill Belichick has created defensive guys. Andy Reed has created Patrick Mahomes. He created the next GOAT. So that's yeah. the other... Thing that I'm yeah. looking at, like, like, so th- there's a lot of quarterbacks that have been placed in adverse situations that never became what they could have been. I honestly, humbly feel like Patrick Mahomes could have been another statistic had he not been put into the, the situation with an offensive minded coach that knew how to bring him along at the right time, the right way so that his confidence wouldn't be shot. I don't think we I don't think Patrick Mahomes would be a household name had a, a Chicago type of team drafted him versus Kansas City doing it. So so there's that factor as well. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I think I think Patty still would be like on the uh wouldn't be where he is now because it, you still have to win rings to be put into uh that situation. I don't think in Chicago or something he does that. But I still yeah. think he still would probably be on the pars of maybe like Deshaun Watson or like uh, maybe how people view Josh Allen or so as far as like the talent wise, but still haven't like done anything with it. So like you said, it's pretty much like another statistic. Like, he, okay, this is another good quarterback, but what have you pretty much done? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I get that. Yeah. So I think if you win two more, he, you can you can start talking about it. Now let's let's continue down this uh, goat conversation. Where are we ranking Patty all time at this point? I know he's young in his career, but where, in, in your eyes, where do you see Patty all time at this point? It's weird because he only he only been starting six years, but I got him the third best quarterback ever right now. Third, I got him third so we best got ever. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and then and then uh, then Pat. Uh, yeah, then Pat right now. Because if you look at Joe Montana's not not necessarily being him being foreign or in the Super Bowl, like look at his TD to interception ratio. And of course he played with Jerry Rice, but like I, somebody told me that today. But I was like, he played with Jerry Rice, but people saying Travis is the goat of tight ends. So both of them playing with goat type level pass catchers. True. Um, Bill Walsh started to me like the West Coast offense thing. So Andy Reid kind of transformed his morph. So the coach great offensive minds and stuff like that. Um, but they had Mariucci for for one of them who won that. No, that was Steve Young. I'm sorry. Had Steve Young. That yeah, was Steve, Steve Young won that championship. Yeah, but um Joe Montana though, in the playoffs, the Super Bowls, man, his quarterback rating, his all that stuff is immaculate, man. Like, it's immaculate, bro. Like, so I still got him under that. And my GOAT conversations go the same thing for every team sport. Like, I don't have a criteria for football. I don't have a criteria for basketball. Now, if you're talking like tennis or something, that's a single golf that your own uh, single-person sport may be different. But I also look at it as, and like I told everyone, maybe I got to do some more research on Joe Montana. Because I look at it and say, if you're supposed to be the guy, you have an adequate team to perform, and you lose in those big situations, can I look at you and say, well, you could have done a little bit better, or you you part of the reason why we lost? Uh, I don't know that much for like Joe Montana. I know for Patrick Mahomes to where we played the Bengals in the AFC Championship the year the Bengals lost to the Rams. We were up 21 to three in the second quarter and we end up losing 27, 24. We only mustered a field goal because you threw an interception to where I was even like, where, where are you throwing the damn ball? Like, and then you couldn't move the ball. Like, so I looked at it and was like, these guys are open. They're hitting the ground. You overthrowing it. So I could look at Mahomes and say, all right, you all this, but you could have played better for us to win that game. Like every 
uh, Super Bowl I watched Tom Brady in a little bit, he didn't lose the game. He didn't maybe didn't right. take it over, but he didn't lose it. He did what he had to do to win the game. And then the ones that he lost, like he still played pretty decent. Like he threw a, a, a touchdown to Randy Moss with uh, how many seconds left and they let Eli Manning go down and get something yeah. like so. Facts. That you know, so him. yeah, you know, so I was like, if I can look at it and say you had the team and it was on you, I don't, I don't know if Joe Montana to do that as of yet. So if he don't got that blemish on his record, I guess I got to wait to Pat get a few more. And then I say, okay, well, maybe he can jump you. But as of right now, because of that reason, I got him third. He got time. He got time. But th- that's actually the same the same uh, list that I have right now as far as my, uh, Mount Rushmore or, or my GOAT conversation as far as quarterbacks is concerned. Uh, so let me ask that. Before, uh, you do, before you do that, let me ask that. And if we have those three at Mount Rushmore, you had to add one more, who would be the fourth person? Um... Good question. I would probably say, honestly, it, it, it's a tie with a with, with a, a a few different people. And honestly, f- for that fourth person, I, I'm not even necessarily looking at their um, total number of championships or lack thereof because. I'm a big Dan Marino fan. I'm also a big Peyton Manning fan. Yeah. I know that's kind of a oxymoron being a being a Patriots fan, but Peyton was <laughs> one of those, you know, he was the guy until yeah. you got to, you know, the, he he was basically the Shanahan of quarterbacks, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. like he um he was the guy until the playoffs and then but a, a lot of times it wasn't his fault either, but uh, Peyton Manning, in my humble opinion, is one of the best uh, quarterbacks ever. So for me, um, in this guy, I don't like him, but I got to give him his props. Aaron Rodgers, it, uh, like, yeah. like he's the reason why Aaron Rodgers is such a disappointment is because he's so good. Like, like if if you yeah. if he wasn't so talented, I wouldn't be as upset about the lack of success in the postseason. He has a ring, so. Yeah. You know, um, for me, it's a tie between Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, as far as who would be that fourth guy on the Mount, Mount Rushmore of our quarterbacks. But uh, Brady, um, Joe Montana, and already Patty, who's still playing, um, they're they're already up there for sure. Uh, who, who would be your fourth guy? I'm stuck between Peyton and Elway. Between the okay. four, okay, but I, I'm leaning to more towards That's another Peyton. guy, yeah, Elway, yeah. And then, like, I, I don't want to disrespect like the Terry Bradshaws and those people who won those rings and stuff. But I it, didn't watch them enough to be able for yeah. them to be in my like. If, if yeah. I if I said any of those names, it would just be based on what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, agree. So yeah, agree. it's a little bit you know different for me as far as those names are concerned. It, it's no different than when you ask me, you know, in the goat conversation, the NBA. I hear you when you say Kareem. I hear you when you say uh, Bill. Uh, he got eleven championships. If you're gonna give it to Jordan because he got six, then why wouldn't you give it to Bill? Like, like I, I hear it, but I never saw them play, so I can't, I can't really, in all honesty, say that they're the best. I would just be going off of stats or off of what I see on, on paper, not really having an understanding of what happened in the game. If that makes sense. Not to mention that most of their games, um weren't televised in the way that we see it done today. So nobody was able to, you know, unless you were a hometown person that went two games, you weren't actually yeah. able to see it. Like you can see, you know, when it started back in like the eighties and nineties and stuff like that, when you can pretty much watch just about every game. So, you know, and we can actually go ahead and parlay over to basketball. It was NBA all-star weekend. Um, go ahead and give me your overall take on the weekend and then i have some specific questions that i want to get your take on on a scale of one to ten how i felt about the weekend was a minus five of of the all-star weekend (laughs) the most exciting thing the most exciting thing for the entire weekend to me was when steph was shooting against uh sabrina Sabrina, uh, i agree i agree (laughs) that was the most exciting thing to me the entire weekend i've I was so upset that I sat and watched. And I, I waited on that game. It was like, yo, what you doing now? I'm, I'm going to watch the All-Star game tonight or whatever. And I, I went into it. I was like, bro, I waited all day to watch this, bro. Like, are you serious? 
Slam dunk contest was horrible. <laughs> Yo, know. so I, I'm, I'm, I got a specific question about that, but let me actually piggyback off of what you just said. Is it time for the NBA to do what the NFL did and get rid of the, the game itself because the players just don't really care that much about it? Um, and it shows in the gameplay and just kind of figure out another fun way that fans are going to be interested in and players will be interested in as well. As far as celebrating the all-stars and just kind of getting rid of the game itself. And then we'll parlay over to the dunk contest to wrap things up. Yeah. I think they, uh, I think it's time to do that. I think it's okay. time to get rid of it. You know, you know, the, the pro bar, the turning the flag football, and that's actually, right. people actually like it because of how like the more flag. entertaining. Yeah. You know, so it's like, Oh, they fun is more human. You know, like there's something I did last weekend, and like right. I played. I can do that, yeah. You know, so it, it shows the people being them being like not like kids, but just joyful, not as serious as playing like football. Uh, once I wouldn't mind seeing got, a, um a, like a horse competition or something like that, like 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 a you yeah, know agreed. something that whatever they just did, unless it's dunking. Um, like, like you got to take that out of the horse competition. But yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, sure. make it to where it's whatever they do is something that a fan can attempt to do the same. Like, it, I think it would just make it a little bit more interesting. But I, think I, I mean, to cut you, which was no problem. Yeah, I think what they should do is you know how they used to have, uh, uh, and I'm even I don't remember them doing it this year. How they used to do like the second the Rising Stars game to where the yeah. USA Rising Stars and the the, wor- International the world. Rising Stars. They, yeah, I think they just need to scrap the East and West thing altogether. And just make it as, because right now it's the best time you can do it because the international players are, they if you ball. name your top five or 10, they is, might be half and half right now. Yeah. So I think you take, say, the best 12 in the USA, the best 12 from the world and let them play for bragging rights and then like incentivize that because now instead of 24 spots being available, pretty much only 12. Yeah. So that may make them play harder in the regular season or whatever, whoever win the USA versus the world you keep a tally i guess and it's not something that you can run all the way through but while like the u.s like the international players which you got Giannis, you got luca you got Jokic, and if mb decides to play with you and even though you got a citizenship with the uh international team like you got them guys like so it could be a competitive game other than that like you said i just think they need to man no this this is it right here okay. ring back rock and jock basketball <laughs> to where the MTV, the way he used to shoot it from ninety reporters from half court, man, do something, man. Like I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the remedy is, but they got to do something. I feel you on that. Now, all right, so this dunk contest, man, I got two takes. For one, it's a little bit of prejudice going on here because ain't no way you thought the dunks that Jalen Brown was doing was anywhere close to what McClung was, what Mac McClung was doing, and not only that. But I feel as if Matt McClung was, I kind of feel like they're exploiting him. Nobody else wants to be in the dunk contest. He's the best dunker, but he's not even on the team. He's in the G League. So you're essentially exploiting a G League player to keep the competition around. He's won the last two years in a row. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I don't know what the judges were looking at. But Jalen Brown's dunks were as basic as basic can get. Yeah. I didn't understand how it was even a competition. And then it got to the point where it was like, okay, you really showing you, you really showing your hand if you let Jalen win. You gotta give McClung his 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 uh props. He gotta win the competition, or 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 we can just go ahead and get rid of the dunk contest too. So that's kind of how I felt about the whole dunk contest. Like a couple of years ago, uh, we had a couple of guys come in. You know, they were jumping over cars. They were doing all this. They kind of put the dunk contest back on the map, and then everybody was like, all right, yeah, I'm good. We're not going to do it again. And then, it, I mean, honestly, at this point, if you're going to have a dunk contest, have the NBA All-Stars be the judge. And just have dudes like McClung, who actually shouldn't even be in the NBA. I don't even think he'd be in the G League if it wasn't for the fact that he can dunk, yeah. um, to be honest with you. But have them judge it. And then have back in the day when there was no YouTube and all of that, it was different. Because even yeah. a basic dunk was an oh my gosh type of moment. But yeah. I can go to YouTube and find in five minutes 
10 dudes that could dunk better than all the dudes that I saw other than Mac. So I think we're at a point now where we're going to have to switch things up, make it more about entertainment, but just involve the all-stars versus it having to be the all-stars involved in everything. And they don't want to get hurt and they don't want to, you know, it's a lot of, you know, nuances to that as well. You know, you saw LeBron, you know, hurt his ankle, you know, he's no spring chicken, but he's not going to forego the all-star game when named an all-star. So that's another thing. Like, like you can kind of have some people in precarious situations. So I, I really believe that as far as the dunk contest is concerned, bring in the best dunkers in the world. We know who they are based on YouTube. Bring them in. Let them compete against each other. And let the actual NBA players be the judges versus these guys that a lot of your younger NBA fans don't even know who they are. Like we're kind of in that age range where we know who some of the judges are based on name value. And we might've seen a, a couple of them earlier on in our childhoods, but a lot of the fans don't even know who these guys are nowadays. So Great. that's kind of, that was kind of my take as far as the dunk contest was concerned. What they, what they have to do with that. And what I was telling somebody the other day was the, the CBA and the, uh, TV deals and stuff get bigger and allow you to incentivize the players. But the all-star checks still the same. So, you, know, <laughs> you know, back in the day, you know, if you only be making, like, say in the early 98s or 2000s or something or whatever, your car, you ain't making 40 mil a year. You might be making 11, 12, 10, whatever it is, and you get a half a mil or a mil. You're like, okay, well, that's cool. But when you're making 40, 40, 50 mil, you don't care about a million dollar check. So what I think they do for the for for that is like you can't tell me if you said okay well this is what we gonna do because I seen John Morant put something like a a Twitter thing when they asked him about it uh, even Zion last year was saying he was thinking about it you take those dunkers and say listen the first place winner you get get five mil or, or whatever it is something that that's necessarily gonna keep as the the TV uh, deals inflate the salary cap, mm-hmm. the all-star game get inflated also. So if you're to the point that we're, okay, well, you know I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, because I thought the dunk contest was saved when Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine did it. Right. I said, okay, well, now there's some notable names, more people are going to start doing it. No, that was terrible. That was totally wrong on that. But uh, I think if you pay them a little more, and, and the devil's advocate is, they already making 40 million a year. How much more you want to pay them? But if you want something out of them, if you want to change it, that's how the game is today. So I think they need to raise the center price. That's life-changing money to some of these YouTube dunkers, though. And they better at it. Yeah, for real. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like you're going to have people coming out the woodworks, you know, if if you do it. Matt McClung, you offer him. He'll he'll be in the dunk contest for the next 10 years. You give him five mil. That that, that, that ain't, you know, G League money ain't NBA money. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm saying. Keep him out. But you can't keep him out because you got to let him defend if he want to come. Back. Correct, but if you put people like Zion, Ja, who else is like a crazy dunker? Like I ain't gonna get Zach Levine no more because his knees and stuff messed up. But if you get like, because a lot of things too, you will be also looked at it as, oh, one of my favorite basketball players. He actually in the dunk contest True. this year, so that was the Lord tour. You like, oh, I like Michael Jordan, but oh, he in it. Like we know he's a great basketball player, but he gonna drop. Man, listen, Vince Carter, man. Like my, I think the best. This may be the. I don't know. The Aaron Gordon Levine is up there, but me personally, best individual one, Vince Carter, right? We all know he can hoop. He's a great type of player with that nostalgia around it, I think, and put a bigger purse behind it. I think that that, that boosts it back up, but I don't know what they're going to do. They got to figure it out. I feel like Vince Carter had the best dunk ever, and it wasn't even a dunk contest. He jumped over a seven-footer in that Olympic game, jumped over, jumped over the Russian guy. <laughs> like he, he literally jumped over yeah. a seven-footer in a game, and the points counted for something. Yeah. Like that that was cra- like when I saw that from Vince Carter, that 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 took it over the top for me. Like like that, yes. but it's a different mind frame nowadays too, as far as basketball is concerned, because it's all about the money. You don't have your you know love of the game for pride for namesake for you know it's it's not really that much of that anymore. So, but they definitely got to do something because the All Star Weekend is. It's really just a, a big get together. It's just a party now. It ain't, ain't got nothing to do with basketball no more. So that's it. We'll Agreed. see how that uh how they work that out next year, though. But that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Next week, hopefully, we'll have the whole crew back. 
and uh, Vander can defend his boys. Don't think he ain't gonna have to have a conversation about what happened with his squad when he's able to get back on. So uh, we'll make sure hopefully that happens next week. But until then, we out and make sure you tell the truth.